This is a True Foundations podcast. Real time, real life, real answers. Well, we're going to look at Luke chapter 1 today and verse 46. This is a wonderful, wonderful passage. I want you, as you you listen to the Word of God read, uh, that you will capture something of the the wonder, the depth, the joy, uh, the expression of, of a heart that is full. Verse 46, And Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Saviour because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his slave. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, because the Mighty One has done great things for me, and his name is Holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, mindful of his mercy, just as he spoke to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. We don't really know a great deal about Mary, do we, when you think about it? But we know enough. What happens in history is that many legends and myths develop and are told. But we must keep to the scriptures. And even as we do that, I think that God can open our minds uh, to have a a better understanding of what is being said. I don't intend to go through line by line and expound all the different parts of it. That's not the purpose of it today. I want to talk about something about this, this expression, this song. I I wonder how it came about. Was it in the moment? I think it was. But even though it was in the moment, here is a young woman who clearly knew a few things, didn't she? She she had heritage. She knew about a coming Messiah. Uh, She had from the scriptures that I am sure that she had read many times as a youngster. She had an understanding of the purposes of God uh, and what God would do. So she had all of that and that stood her in good stead. But more than that, it is remarkable. I don't know how she's told this. I don't really know if she sang it or not. What do they call it, Mary's song? It feels like a song, doesn't it? It feels as if somehow, from the very depths of her being, she expressed the praises of God. And when you think about this, this is actually, it's prophetic in its nature. And when I use the word of prophetic, what I want to say is this. It is because it is God-inspired and it came to her in that place, in that moment, and it found its expression. Not all songs are prophetic. Some are good, 
doesn't mean the prophetic. But this is touched by the Spirit of God. I think that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And because it is touched by the Spirit of God, it is full of things that reach deep within us. Now, as you think about this song that, that Mary has for us, it touches every part of her being. It touches uh, the part of her nature, which is the nature of her flesh, uh, and especially so because as uh, she carries the Messiah in her womb. So she feels the presence of the Messiah in the normal way that a mother would. And that of itself is an emotional thing. A thing of continuing and building connection with the child that is within. So all of that is going on. It's impacting her from the place of the body of who she is, her own flesh. When I say flesh here, I'm not talking in a negative way. I'm just talking in a real way. It's the body of her flesh. And here she is. She carries the Messiah of God. Of course, she knows that. This is unique in history. It's, it's never happened before. It will never happen again. It is absolutely remarkable. But it's a soul that proclaims it. So everything about the nature of her being, her soul, not just the physical nature, now the emotions, her mind, her will, uh, her capacity to, to think, uh, her capacity to feel, her capacity to uh, think about things and come to conclusions, develop ideas, all of that. Her soul proclaims it. Uh, and because it is a joyful proclamation, it has touched her deeply within and she expresses that. But also, a spirit rejoices. So here she is. Here is a young woman. Uh, she is not trained theologically. Uh, she would not be. She would know the stories. Uh, and maybe she would have had conversations as she grew up. All kinds of questions. But she would not have been trained theologically. But she seemed to know, didn't she? Not only did she know her history, not only did she know her pur the purposes of God, she had a sense of understanding of the nature of what it meant to be a human person in all of its fullness. There is the body, there is the soul, and there is the spirit that connects with God in a way that no other part of our being can. And so she was coming from that place. The song itself is really an issue of the spirit because it is revealed by God in the moment that makes it prophetic. That takes it to a whole different level. There's tons of songs written about the Christmas story. Tons of them. Some of them are good and some of them are a bit indifferent. Uh, some of them, they, they kind of mix history up and all of that. Just a few are prophetic 
because they really are genuinely inspired by God. Many of them are from the soul, and it doesn't mean that they are bad. It means that they're from the soul, not the spirit, not inspired by God, but somehow uh, reflect what is going on inside a person, and then they express it. I always find it very interesting this time of the year you watch television and all the songs that come on and the different shows that are, that are about Christmas. Um, I, I, I was really, really impressed the other night because we watched... Now, some people need to close your ears now, this, because it's a very, very serious matter. I actually watched the, the CMA, you know, the country music thing from this day. I know for some people that'll gain me points, but for others they'll think I'm finished. That's it. Don't want anything more to do with him. But there was some good stuff on it, and there was some mediocre stuff on it. But there was these two guys, and some of you will know them, Australians that live in Nashville, because that's where everybody goes now if you country. And he's not really country. I thought they were more classic rock. But um, they call for king and country. Yeah, there's probably more women nodding than men, but really, this is powerful stuff. These guys, the percussion, it was absolutely phenomenal. There was so much energy. Uh, these two brothers uh, and and this guy, um, he's moving about on stage, and that's fine. It wasn't all posturing and silliness. It was energy, and they they're actually Christians. It's hard to know where people stand in that scene. It really is very difficult to know where they stand. But they're Christians. I thought, this is wonderful. Because the, the energy of the joy and the ability that God gives to people to, uh, to craft words, but I mean, they, they didn't craft their own words because this was the drummer boy, this particular song. But the ability that God gives and the ability... Uh, in to express their music, sometimes it stirs your soul. And then you start getting silly ideas, don't you? You know what it's like. You think, I want to bang that big drum. I'll never do it, you know, but I really want to do it. I, you, you kind of think, oh, why could I have not been a rock star? <laughs> have you ever thought that? Anybody here ever thought? You've not, have you, Carla? Anybody here ever thought, is there any ice, that? Oh, that's great, that. Yeah. Why could I have not? You see, because these people, I'm not talking about the messed up people that are into all kinds of nonsense. I'm talking about really talented people that have got a good heart and a desire that is, is, is God-given. It's phenomenal. The ability to freely, skillfully express joy and praise. We need a lot more of that in our lives, don't we? We really do. Now, here's a young woman. She was not a rock star. Uh, there was no such thing in those days. I don't know what they were then. They, they did have instruments. They played a few songs. Uh, they danced a bit. Uh, but here's a woman. Touched by God. See, God has met with her in different ways. We know the story. We know this remarkable thing that we cannot fully grasp. 
that here is God by his spirit. He causes that from within her, a child should grow and be born. And then he become the savior of the world. Now that's, that's wonderful. But yet she's just a woman. Just a, a young woman, godly. Intelligent, I think. She knows the stuff. But in that moment, when God comes upon her, she prophesies and a song comes and she's rejoicing. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had moments like that? Maybe as a body together, the Spirit of God comes and touches people and in the moment there is rejoicing real rejoicing that is re it's actually based upon uh, real things, truth, facts, history, God's purposes, at what God has for us, those kind of things that are real and not pretentious. Would it not be wonderful if there were those kind of moments? I was thinking about what's going on here. Because there's a lot behind the song itself. There's the whole history of the world and the things that we have covered many times. But here she is, and she carries this child. And she's a woman. There was a woman before her, and she was called Eve. And she was the mother of, of all living. Now, just a, just a thing to think about. I don't know whether you come across this stuff, whether you read uh, things that are in the Christian press or different articles. But you know that increasingly, uh, many, many Christian people uh, are questioning the historical fact of Adam and Eve. Uh, and they are reinterpreting that and saying, well, this is just uh, an illustration, a metaphor for what happened. Of course... None of that works if you think it through logically. First of all, there has to be the first two. I mean, <laughs> otherwise, none of it makes sense. Uh, there has to be a real fall. Otherwise, where is the fall in every person that has ever been? Uh, has somebody escaped it? Uh, of course not. So it has to be real. They were real people. But just be aware that, that Christian people all over the place actually question that today, and that's very sad. It's troubling. But there was this, this woman uh, in the beginning, and she, she sinned. Uh, she was the mother of all living. Now Mary is a new opportunity in history for mankind. She is the mother of the one who will bring about for all of those who see, all of those who will come to him, a new humanity in which the old is put away, the past is dealt with, and that sin is conquered, and there is a brand new opportunity to walk in the fullness and freedom of the gospel of Jesus Christ 
that completely redefines us and gives us a hope for the future and in the end will bring us uh, to become the people that God always intended us to be. Uh, so, in that sense, she is as significant as Eve. She bore the one who would be the saviour of the world. That's quite something. Is it any wonder that that she she had this song within her? Because even though this is a great weight to bear, it was not a burden. Can you see the difference? She felt the weight of it without doubt. She understood. I am sure she understood. Uh, God had come to her in a remarkable way. She had received the message supernaturally. God was at work within her, upon her. She knew whom it was that she was bearing. So she knew that's a weight. But it really was not a burden because she treasured it all within. And I think it's okay in life to bear some weights but never a burden. You see, it's different, isn't it? And here is a young woman that God chose. A, a woman that he particularly loved. That he saw within her uh, that she was a fit vessel uh, to carry this one. No claims for herself. None of this, this nonsense that, that uh, she was without sin. None of that. Uh, none of, uh, of this business, oh, well, Jesus was her only child. None of that. She was just a straightforward, ordinary girl of her day. But somehow, she was different. She was godly. She was marked out. Had to carry within her womb and to, to bring this child up. Wonderful, remarkable. You see, the coming of Jesus is the most pivotal point in the history of humanity. The first man, Adam, of course, he was created. What a mess he left us. But there is an answer to it. Because Jesus is known as the second man. But he was not created. He was begotten. In other words, he, he had a mother and he had a different kind of father. And from there, there was a disconnection with the sin of the world, yet an identification with it. And the disconnection and the overcoming of sin and the fulfilling of the law opened up an opportunity to everyone that would come to him. So the new man 
It can make new men and new women of all of us. You see, that's it. Is it any wonder that this young woman sang? And when you read it, you feel the weight of it, the importance of it, but you feel the joy. You see, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? That joy is very, very powerful. She was not overwhelmed by this, you would think. Possibly. What a, what a situation she's in. It is overwhelming. But somehow she's not overwhelmed. She's full of joy. Her circumstances were by no means the best. There she was in that particular day, uh, in the society that she was part of. Uh, this was not good. This was going against her. Nobody would believe her anyway. And not only is she immoral, but she's a lunatic. Things are not looking good. And of course, these things she knew, they would impact her. But somehow, in the face of that tremendous weight and the possibility of that becoming an unbearable burden, in the face of that, she has this place where she treasures all of these things. And more than that, she is full of joy. And I think being full of joy, especially when it comes from that godly place, not just some kind of passing phase, when it comes from that place where God has encountered you, that kind of joy, it can fix a lot of our stuff. It really can. And it can do it in a moment. And so when we think of these kind of passages and we read them, we need to let them speak to us deeply. We need to somehow find the same kind of joy. We need to, without dismissing the facts because there's a lot of facts there's a lot of difficulties what's the future going to look like will I be accepted in society or will I be pushed away lots of different things she did not know really what things were going to look like it was difficult for her can you imagine there you are you're a mother and your son never ever will sin. Now then, ladies, have any of you had a son like that? Now I know that sometimes you might err on the side of thinking that your kid is perfect when no other kid is. Well, I have to tell you, you're deceived. That is a total and absolute fantasy. Here we are, we are, we are people spoiled by the fall. 
And even though we are in Christ, uh, we we still work in progress. We're not there yet. We've not accomplished the goal yet. So we we walking along in life. Can you imagine having a child? How, what would you do with it? That child never ever does it wrong. I actually think that is potentially a burden to bear. Really, you think about it. See, by the nature of thing, not that it always works like this. In fact, often it doesn't. Here we are, we're the parents. And we're supposed to be uh, somewhat in front of our kids in life. Uh, in the things that we have learnt. Uh, in, in the attitudes of life. Uh, in dealing with uh, our thoughts. Uh, and in dealing with our failings, in dealing with some of the sin patterns that either we've chosen or inherited, uh, we should be somewhat in front of our kids, even though uh, our kids start off, um, they don't do a lot wrong early on. It's not long before they start uh, to find their own ways of expressing the sinful nature that is within. We're supposed to be in front of them, this boy, this child, was streets ahead of his mother. Now there's a kind of healthy pride in that, but it's hard. When he was 12, he told his parents off. Now how does that go down? Don't you ever say that to me again. Don't ever speak to me like that again. But the trouble is, he's right. It's hard work living with... Has anybody lived with somebody that's perfect? Right, somebody, somebody, I won't identify the person publicly today. I, I've saved that for another time. Somebody said, not likely. Has anybody ever lived with somebody that's perfect? I don't think so. I, I don't think it's easy. I really don't. But, but this, this young woman, she had to live with a perfect boy. She had to live with, with that perfect, they didn't call them adolescents in those days. A young man. Never, never, never. Always without sin. A man in his 30 years old. Got his act together, no messing. Never stumbled under sin. Ready to face the sin of the world. And as much as this, this young woman, of course, she's, she's not so young when Jesus went to the cross. But somewhere at this time, when she carries him within her womb, and the Spirit of God comes on her again and inspires her and she rejoices outwardly. It's from that moment of encounter with God and she knows and sees many, many things. 
and she knows that maybe the journey will be somewhat difficult, but her joy is in the Lord. And there is no greater joy in life than when we encounter God. I think you can find joy in life in many places and we should look for them. It's good to do that. It's good for your soul. But there is no joy like the moment of encounter with God. When God comes to you and speaks to you. And joy just flowed out. And I think that in that moment of joy, she must have had coming along the way many questions that she could not answer and perhaps even ask afterwards. She could not. But somehow there is a place in that moment that her spirit has the answer to all the questions. Perhaps she can't explain them, express them, so what she does is she affirms the good work, that unique choosing that God has made, she affirms it with a song. And it expresses the fullness of what it is that God has done. It is always right uh, to give people their place in history uh, when they have uh, done something or, or been in a place where it's unique or it's special or they have made great accomplishments, it's always right uh, to give acknowledgement to that. We must do that. But at the same time, we must not sell ourselves short in this sense. This, this young woman was chosen by God, so God is sovereign in it. She, did she have any choice in this? I don't think so. But on the other hand, uh, it was not a burden to her, so she accepted it with, with a graceful heart. Wonderful. But what I'm suggesting is this. Here we are. We are ordinary people like everybody else's actually. And God, in his great love, in his mercy, by his grace, has put his hand upon us and called us out from this fallen world to be his. Now that of itself is, is a remarkable thing. And for each one of us, it's a personal matter. And if he has done that, if he has marked our lives with that, at the beginning of that, should we not be open to the coming of his spirit to touch each and every one of us in due season in a most wonderful and remarkable way? Let us not push him away. I don't see any sense of, of Mary saying, oh, well, you know, what a wonderful song the Lord has given me. I'll save it for another day. You know, I'll, I'll kind of, I'll, I'll push it back a bit. 
oh, I don't really want to hear this. I think we do things like that, you know. God comes, his presence is made known, and he speaks to his people. And, and some people, for whatever reason, think, oh, I'm not up to this today. I think I'll save it for another time. Or I don't even want it. Should not be like that. Let's learn from this young woman. Let's learn from this place of, of the moment when the Spirit of God comes upon her and her whole being is filled with the joy of the presence of God. And from that, she shares it. And I think that this equipped her for the life that she had to live, which was not easy. The life that she had to live afterwards. It set her up for a good way of dealing with things. And that's no different of what it should be like for us. That God by his spirit comes. And in a moment, something happens. And we make a choice. Do I take hold of that? Or do I push it away? Because if we take hold of it, it will go with us and strengthen us for the rest of our life. It might not be the only thing. There probably will be others. But it will do that. If we push it away, and some people do, I, I have seen people do that. I have seen them when the presence of God is there, say, no, I don't want this. I, I have seen them when, when some wonderful thing that would change them for the better is about to take place. And they'll say, no, I, I'll stay as I am. That is more prevalent than perhaps you realize. We can learn so much from this and be ready for the moments when God by his spirit comes. And in that place, something remarkable that is life-changing happens and we can live in the outworking of that with great confidence because I don't think she ever forgot this. Of course not. God gave her the song. She'll never forget that. And sometimes God gives us a song it's not always a song like this. What I mean is, God gives us a song. God gives us something that is deep within us. That, that changes us forever for good. These are marker points in our lives. And we never forget them. Sometimes perhaps we... We just fall off to the side a little, but we never forget them and we grasp hold of them. You see, that is what God would give to his people. I can't think of a better way to live. Why would we ever, when God appears, say, no, I don't think so today, thanks. I've got a more pressing engagement.
I'd rather do this and I'd rather do that. I think that's a very dangerous thing to do. People do that. I've seen them do it. And God is compassionate and he's merciful. And maybe he gives you another opportunity, but what if it isn't? Because he doesn't always. I think that sometimes a person's, a person's life is, is absolutely defined by a moment. We receive from God and we move forward. Or sometimes we say no. There is no guarantee that you will ever find your place of real relationship with God again. Uh, and you risk the real possibility uh, of just scraping through on that great day uh, and suffering loss because you have rejected the good things of God. That is very, very possible for Christians. There is no guarantee that people will be drawn back into the fullness of his presence. Better to be like Mary. God came by his spirit. She responded. And we have it on record of the joy that came from that. Uh, and the little inklings as we go on through the gospel. Till in the end she's there by the cross. As she sees her son being crucified for the sin of the world. And that joy that she experienced on that day actually stood her well for that day that would come when her heart was broken as she saw her son die. But I think for her, it was always the joy, you see. Always the joy that defined her life. We need to be like that. So let's, let's be people who are willing uh, to live in the moment of the encounter of God and then respond well by his grace through his spirit that we might live in the fullness of the freedom of the gospel. Amen. Thank you for joining us. True Foundations is headed by David J. Jones, a preacher and teacher of the Word of God. His passion is to help individual Christians discover their true identity in Christ and to learn how grace operates in their lives. Currently residing in Canada, he is taught in both North America and the UK and has listeners all over the world. If you have questions about anything you've heard today, please email us at info at truefoundations.ca. Or for more information on True Foundations resources, please visit our website at truefoundations.ca.